are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. We've been talking about someone you know. In fact, the first week, we learned from a study in Columbia University that the average American knows about 600 people. You might only know 10 to 25 people that you feel like you know well enough whether or not you can trust them. But you probably know 600 people or so. And so we asked the question on the very first week, what if you pointed someone you know to Jesus and their life was radically transformed? Because that's what happened when John the Baptist points Andrew to Jesus. Andrew's life would never be the same again. And then, and then Andrew said, you know... <laughs> Somebody pointed me to Jesus, and so do I have the responsibility to point someone else to Jesus? And maybe for Andrew, it was more of a desire. And so he goes and finds his brother, Simon Peter, and tells him about Jesus. And so if someone pointed you to Jesus, do you like have this desire inside of you that says, I would love for people that I know to know Jesus? And so that's where we've been living in this conversation for the last, last few weeks. I tell somebody, they tell somebody, and they tell somebody, and they tell somebody. But it's not like I only tell one somebody, I tell somebody else. In fact, I keep telling others who keep telling others who keep telling others. And the church just grows and the gospel spreads like crazy. Have you ever heard anybody ask, would you rather me give you $1 million today or give you one penny and promise the value a double every day for 30 days? Because if you said, no, I'll take the penny, that means in 10 days you'd have over $5. But in 20 days you'd have over $5,000. But in 30 days, you wouldn't have a million dollars you would have over $5 million. And I believe in God's heart, it was his plan always for the gospel, that it would spread exponentially. We're not talking about addition here. We're talking about multiplication. Because if I continue to tell others who continue to tell others who continue to tell others, then that's what we saw in the early church It was exponential growth. It spread like a wildfire. No one could contain it no matter what they tried to accomplish. And so when you hear that, what do you feel? I'm not asking you what you think. It's very different. I want to know what you're feeling. Are you feeling what I'm feeling? Are you feeling like, oh, that's pressure, you know? Um, are you feeling, uh, I might be letting God down. I wonder if the exponential growth is slowing up with me because I don't feel like I'm sharing my faith like that. I don't know that I know how I don't feel adequate. I'm not very good at convincing people that they ought to follow Jesus In fact, I don't even know sometimes where to start with all of that. And I would say right now, just take in a deep breath. 
and just let it out. And I would apologize if anybody was sitting on the front row, but it looks pretty open right now. Because in the scripture, here's what I come to understand today. That that's someone you know, that you're feeling like you should be telling them about Jesus. Jesus knows them. He knows them really well. In fact, he, he loves them more than I can describe. He sees them every moment of their life. He dreams about their future. He knows every hair on their head. He has them numbered, the Bible tells me. He knows that person, and he loves that person. And so here's what's going on. We get in this story as we continue it. You know, John hears about it from, or tells rather Andrew, and then Andrew tells Peter. And, and today it just keeps going. Jesus meets a guy named Philip, and he, he welcomes him into this discipleship, follow me. And, and Philip can't get quiet. He tells a guy named Nathaniel, which it doesn't go so well initially. But then when Nathaniel realized that Jesus knew him, really knows him, knows everything about him, sees him now, has always seen him, loves him, has a plan for Nathaniel's future, it changed everything. Once Nathaniel comes into Jesus' presence and he realizes that Jesus knows him, everything changes. And so here's what we're going to take our time to do today, and that is just ask the question, what are the implications of this for you and me as we think about sharing Jesus with other people, okay? So let me take you to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. You ready for that? Phones, Bibles open, here we go, chapter 1, verse 43. We'll finish up this story today of people who are telling other people about Jesus, all right? So the next day, Jesus decided to leave, Gal leave for Galilee. If, if he's in Jerusalem, which is kind of at the, at the you know, down here, 100 miles north is Galilee. So he travels 100 miles north and he gets to Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So it's this call to discipleship, my way of life. And so Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Bethsaida is on the north part of the Sea of Galilee. Bethsaida means house of fishing. It's a fishing village. Then Philip found Nathanael, and he told him. So it's kind of like Andrew, when he comes to know Jesus, the first thing he did was he found his brother Peter, and he told him. Philip found Nathanael, and he told him. He said, hey, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. This is messianic language. We have found God's chosen one. We found the Messiah. We found the King of Israel. We found the Savior of the world. We found God's only son. Big stuff here, okay? Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. How did that work out? Not so good. Nathaniel <laughs> says, Nazareth, are you kidding me? Can anything good come from there? Nazareth was unimpressive. It was a small peasant village. And so I love what Philip says to him. Come and see. I, I hear you. I get it. I realize what you're thinking. 
Why don't, why don't you just come with me and you see Jesus and then you decide for yourself, okay? I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to uh, put up some big debate with you. I'm not going to, you know, jar heads with you. And finally, one of us is going to come out the victor. Why don't you just come and you just see and, and then you decide? So when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. This is kind of cool. It's like a play on words. Jacob, who later was named Israel, was a deceiver, a tricker. He tricked his brother out of his birthright. He's probably talking about old Israel here compared to new Israel that God envisions. Nathaniel, you have the potential of being the new Israel. And he says, how do you know me? How do you know my heart? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, well, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel, I saw you then. I've always seen you. I know you. I've always known you. I know your heart. I know there's no deceit in your heart. I've always known you. I know everything about you. I know about your past. I know that I love you. I know that I have your future in my mind and I dream about it. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Look at the titles. You are God's chosen one. You are the savior for this nation. And Jesus said, <laughs> you believe me because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You're going to see greater things than that. And, and then he talks about some Old Testament language that I, I'm anxious to share with you. He added, very truly, I tell you, you will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And before we're done today, I've got to tell you what that little verse is all about. It's life-changing. So I've been wanting to talk to you for a while about Advent and, and what's going to be happening as we near the Christmas season here at BFC. And so I have a slide that I thought I would put up that would help you a little bit. Maybe you would want to take a picture of it and maybe seeing it visually changes it for you. But we're starting next Sunday morning our Advent series. It's called All I Want. So in a season where we typically think about trivial things that we want, all right, like, like a Christmas list, I want to talk about those innate things that God has planted in your heart, what you really long for, what you really desire. I think it would be a great sermon series to invite friends to. So I would love it if you could think of people in your life today that you've been saying, God, bring someone into my life. And you may say, God's already brought some people into my life. Or maybe this week as you pray this prayer, God will bring somebody into your life. Invite them. So you know what? I wish you'd come to church with me. I love my church. I think you would love our church. Um, the pastor is going to be preaching the sermon series that I think you might connect to. It's just about what we really long for and what we really want in life. So it'll be over these next four Sundays. Then on one of those Sundays, December the 11th, I'll preach a pretty brief sermon. I'll still preach, but it won't be as long because we're going to have a concert, okay? And uh, we've asked Pastor Nick to put together music for the whole service. And uh, at some point, I'll step up and, and preach a brief sermon. But uh, don't you appreciate Pastor Nick and the way that he leads us in worship? And, and aren't you comfortable in saying to somebody, hey, you, you should come on this day because it's going to be kind of this concert. It's going to be really cool. It'll be in both of our morning services. And, and I think 
whoever you invite to church that Sunday would say, hey, thanks for inviting me. That was really good. And then, of course, we have Christmas Eve, as you can see on the screen, uh, Christmas Eve Eve on the 23rd, and then on the 24th, we have two services, one at three and one at five, and it's always easy to invite people to Christmas Eve. They are very open to coming to church on those times. What I'm asking you to do, to do is, is what Philip did. Just, just invite someone. And so Philip meets Jesus, and immediately he can't be quiet about it. He's got to invite someone. I've been in the presence of Jesus. I want you to be in the presence of Jesus. And so he finds Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, we found him. We found the one that the prophets and Moses wrote about. I want you to come and see him. The problem is, it doesn't go so well. Up to this point of the scriptures that we've been reading over the last few weeks, it's been going great. John says to Andrew, hey, Andrew, that's the Lamb of God. And Andrew follows him. In fact, he followed him so closely that Jesus turns around and says, why are you following me? What do you want? Andrew cannot get away from Jesus. Andrew tells Peter, we know how Peter's story turned out. He becomes one of the great disciples of Jesus. But not for Nathaniel. Nathaniel scoffs. He probably laughs. You got to be kidding me. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? It's not that bad people lived in Nazareth. It was just that Nazareth was small and the people were poor. It was a peasant village. And, and they just kind of scratched their living out of the dirt. They raised, they raised enough to eat. And they had a little bit of livestock. And they had dirt under their fingernails every day. And, and they were poor. Just poor people. They, they were referred to as peasants. And when you think about God's chosen one coming to the earth... You wouldn't think about him coming from a little village of poor people like Nazareth. Maybe, maybe 400 people lived in that little village. That's all. That was it. So I think when people like you and me feel pressure, I know I should be sharing Jesus with people. Rick's been talking about it like three weeks. He's got me praying this prayer I don't even know if I want to pray the prayer. I, I, don't even, I don't even know what I'd do if God dumped somebody in my lap, you know? What if I try to have a conversation and it goes like that, like it went with Nathaniel? What if they laugh? What if they make fun? What if they say, you got to be kidding me? Is that where you live? Is it what you sometimes think? Now let me just lift your load a little bit, okay? Our role is not to convince someone we know to believe in Jesus. That, that's not what we're called to. Our role is not to convince someone we know to believe in Jesus. 
It's not a matter of saying, okay, you and I, we're, gonna, we're just going to get in this room. We're going to close the door. We're going to argue it out until finally I convince you, all right, that this is the way. I've got, I've got arguments. I've got my notes. I've got my Bible. You know, here we go. We're, are you ready for this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm taking you to task right here, all right, until you finally give over, break down, give in, get on your knees and say, okay, I was wrong. You know, I, I don't think that's what we're called to. That, that's, that's not our role. If that's not our role, then here's the question. What is our role? So let me talk to you about that for the remaining time that we have. If you, if you leave our parking lot and you go east on 39th Expressway, and I don't know the street names well, but I know there's a Brahms down there. And if you get past the Brahms, there's, there's this piece of land where they built some new, new buildings on, Okay. When, when I moved here a few years ago, it was called the Sportsman's Club. Anybody remember the Sportsman's Club? And the big lake behind it, beautiful. I mean, beautiful. And, and, and so all of a sudden, the Sportsman's Club closes. And you're like, why, why are they closing the Sportsman's Club? I don't know. Somebody bought Who bought it? I don't know. So Annette and I, at this age of our lives, that is like major league stuff for us. We want to know stuff like that all the time. Like right now, they're building something new over at Penn Square. We are on top of that like you would not believe. We are reading articles. You know, if they've got a fence up, we are going to look over that fence if we can at all. We're, why did they put a fence up? Well, let's see if we can get over the fence and see what's going on back there. And so that's what they did. They, they build this big fence around where the sportsman club used to be. They tear it down, and they're building something. That and I are asking people, do you know what they're building over there? Because we need to know. You know, do you know what they're doing? No, we don't know. So we're, finally somebody says, we think that Chickasaw Nation bought it. Chickasaw Nation, wonder what they're going to, that's a new assignment for us now. We've got something that we've got to figure out. What are they going to do with that, you know? Because we just need to know stuff like this. And so finally, these beautiful buildings are built. And, and, and we're asking, what is it? Don't know. Finally, we find out it's going to be a, a, a community center owned by the Chickasaw Nation. I went online. And watched a video after it was built. It's beautiful. It's got an auditorium that's, that's beautiful. Not as big as this, but it's big. It's beautiful. Banquet area. They've got outdoor walking trails around that lake. They've got shaded areas and pavilions. They've got all. It's, it's wonderful. But I'm not going. Not going. I've not been invited. And I don't even know if, if I could be invited. I'm not Chickasaw. I'm not a member. And, and nobody, nobody has said you should go. And so I'm, there, there is no way in the world that I'm going to drive by. And I drive by there all the time because I, I leave from here you know, at work and I head down to Highway 3. I drive by. I've never stopped. I'm not going to. There's no way I'm going to stop and pull in and just get out and say, I just wanted to show up. What's next? When do you have your next gathering? I want to be here for it. I'm not going to do that. Do you realize that's where much of the population of the United States of America is today when it comes to church? They, they don't know who, who is invited here. Come on, it's church. Everybody in America knows that everybody can go to any church they want to on any Sunday. No, they don't. 
That's the way it used to be. In 22, Gallup conducted a poll and learned that only 40% of Americans said they belonged to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. Now, you may say, what is significant about that number? Here's what's significant about that number. When Gallup began asking this question, it was in 1937. Do you know what this number was in 1937? 73%. But I'm devastated to tell you that our world has changed. And everybody doesn't go to church or belong to a church. I'm here to tell you that there are 53% of Americans and they're not coming here. What do you mean? I mean, they're not coming. Just like I'm not going to the Chickasaw Community Center of Oklahoma City. The only way I'm going to go to that is if somebody invites me and says, you're welcome here. Then I might say, well, then I want to go. I want to see it. But 53% of the American population don't belong. And they don't believe they belong. We're not members. We don't know what they do. We don't know when they start. We don't know when they finish. We've not been invited. I drive by it on my way back and forth to work, but I don't know what they do there. And they're not going to come unless somebody invites them. And so you know what Philip does? He invites him. He says to Nathaniel, come and see. See, our role is to invite someone we know to come and see Jesus. And, and I've been asking myself all week, what does it mean now for me to invite someone to see Jesus? Because the physical Jesus is not walking around on the earth today. So what does it look like for me to say to someone, come and see Jesus? I think it's when I open my arms to them because Jesus lives in me and says, come and be a part of my life. I think it's when I invite people to come to my church because there are many people here who are becoming more and more like Jesus. I know the church gets a bad rap, but there are lots of people in my church, in the church that I'm a part of, who are becoming more and more like Jesus. I think it's saying, why don't you just give it a try? I know, I know, you might laugh or scoff, and you might say, this is what I've heard about the church, but why don't you just come and see? And most often, when people come and see, they are encouraged rather than discouraged. Jesus says, if two or three of you show up, I'll be in your midst. So if we invite them to church, they're going to get to come and experience the presence of Jesus. And when they come to know that Jesus sees them and that Jesus knows them and that Jesus loves them and that Jesus dreams about their future, it changes everything. 
So this idea of the heavens, angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on Jesus himself, what is that all about? It's Jacob's ladder. It's when Jacob fell asleep on his way to Haran and he had a dream and he envisioned a staircase reaching from the earth to the heavens and the angels were ascending and descending on the staircase and Jesus says you're going to see them ascending and descending on me in other words he's saying Nathaniel I am the way to heaven Nathaniel I am the way to God and all these people in this world who don't know me when they come to know me they will come to know God And that's what the world longs for. I've, I've loved hearing every story uh, over this series about faith family trees. I, I've asked you to think about like your faith family tree. So who, who told you about Jesus and who told them and who told them and who told them? And then now who are you telling and who are they telling? It's kind of cool. Lots of stories, lots of emails, lots of stories, conversations. One I'll share with you before I close. And it's a guy named Randy Swanson. Randy's been a part of our church since he attended Southern Nazarene University as a college student, but that was a long time ago because Randy is looking old these days. And, and he tells a story about when he was a college student here, his grandmother passed away in Minnesota, and he goes to the funeral. But he's back to Minnesota a couple of months later for a family get-together, and he says, a lot of us left the family reunion and went over to the cemetery, caravaned over because we wanted to see my grandmother's grave. But he said, that day I saw something that I had missed a few weeks before when I was there for the funeral. Because on this day, the turf, the artificial turf is gone. The, the flowers are gone. All the people are gone. And, and right there by my grandmother's grave, there's a little headstone. And here's what it said. Baby Swanson. So I said to my dad, Dad, come here. Now, Randy's a college student. What, what is this? And so to the family that's standing around... Andy's father told the story. He says, well, after I was born, my mother was expecting another baby. Comes time the baby to be born. They called the doctor. The doctor comes from town. Now, this is, you know, maybe 100 years ago. Delivers the baby. But my mother needed immediate attention from the doctor. The baby was set to the side for a moment. But somehow the cold Minnesota air in the dead of winter the baby caught something. My mother was okay, but a few days later, the baby dies. And so Randy's dad said, my mother and father were devastated, of course. One day, my dad's in the barn, and a pastor comes from town, not to minister to my dad or to comfort him, but to confront him. And he says to my dad, Randy's grandfather, you realize this baby's not in heaven because it wasn't born into a Christian family. Now, Randy's a big man, but his grandfather was bigger than him. 
And his grandfather picks up the pasture and he throws him out of the barn into the snow. You can clap if you want. I think that was a good move. Yeah, I liked it. Later that day, he goes to the graveyard with a shovel to dig a grave to bury this little baby's body. And while he's digging the grave, another pastor shows up from town with a shovel. And beside him, he helps him dig the grave. And he weeps with him. And finally, Randy's grandfather says, another preacher came and here's what he said. And the pastor, as he's shoveling along with him, says, that's not true. Your little baby boy is not accountable. He's in heaven with Jesus. I promise you. And he said he's in heaven with Jesus? Yes. I'm going to heaven too. I'll see him there. You'll see my son in heaven? Yes. You could go if you want. I can go to heaven and be with my son? Absolutely. And right there at that spot, he drops to his knees and he accepts Jesus' forgiveness. He goes home and he tells his wife, who was only four feet 11, she becomes a follower of Jesus. And they lived for Jesus the rest of their lives. They had three sons. One becomes a pastor. The other two become missionaries. They tell their children. And they tell others. And Randy said, someone told that preacher who told my grandfather, who told my father, who told me, and I've told others. You see how it works? But here's what I love about the story. I love this about the story. He doesn't come with an argument. He doesn't come with an apologetic. He just says, this is what I think Jesus looks like. I think if Jesus were here, he'd pick up a shovel and he'd help you dig this grave. And he would cry with you. And he would love you. And he would stand beside you. And I think what Randy's grandpa got to see was Jesus. Father, let people see Jesus in us. Let us live our lives in such a way that they will come and see Jesus. It's not an argument. It's a life that we live before them. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a song that you're going to hear that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. But it may be this morning that God brings someone to your mind that that you want to speak Jesus over. And and if that's the case, I think that's a great response to the sermon this morning. Pray for someone you know. Speak Jesus over someone you know. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.